I believe that therapy can be for everyone. If you're truly opposed to it, then it's probably not going to work for you and therefore not an avenue that you can explore. But I believe that everyone has something they can work on, something that maybe happened in their childhood or in their past that I don't even realize is affecting them now as an adult. Welcome to the Zen ish mommy podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Gershman. And while I may never reach enlightenment, you will find me here cussing and laughing along the way. This podcast is a place for all women to connect, educate themselves and slow down because you deserve a moment to pause and press play. Hey, welcome back to another episode. I'm your host, Jessica Gershman. We are looking to destigmatize mental health in this country. There are more celebrities and athletes that are becoming spokespersons for online therapy tools and mental health initiatives, but there is still more work to be done. This podcast is a place where you, you can show up authentically, have a laugh, educate yourself, and hear a little bit of yourself in each of the guests. And that will hold true for my next guest. Christy Rocha is the host of SAS Says, a podcast to guide women on how to heal, educate, and empower themselves through therapy and real-life stories of perseverance. She interviews mental health professionals, experts, coaches, and women who share her mission to debunk the stigmas and misconceptions about therapy and mental health. Christy is known for asking the but how questions so that her listeners walk away from each episode with actionable steps on what to do next when it comes to relationships, motherhood, body image, ambition, and what she calls the intangible. Self-care is also a hot topic on her show. Christy and her husband live in New Jersey with two toddlers, and I have had the pleasure of being interviewed on the SAS Says podcast. Christy is the real deal. She is authentic. She says it like it is. You guys are going to gain a lot from this. So I can't wait for you to take a listen. Hey, Christy, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. It's good to see you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I have to tell the listeners that I get email responses from you. And the first time I ever got the automated email response, I was like, this girl's a badass. <laughs> so for the listeners, her emails response, and you can stop me when I'm wrong, but say something to the effect of, hey, this is an automated email response. I get that that's like annoying, but I suffer from you know anxiety and I may not be able to get to your emails right away. And I was mm-hmm. like, man, you are really walking the walk. Like you are really owning your mental health journey, even as it comes down to your email responses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That came to be, first of all, thank you. I, you know, I worked in corporate America for years and it was this push, right? Like an email does not go unanswered ever. And if you have to no longer than 24 hours. And I was finding that I was taking that mentality to my work with my podcast. And, you know, I'm not sitting at a desk 12 hours a day, eight hours a day, even five hours a day. Gosh, I don't even know why I said that even two hours a day. So (laughs) it's like, I know that between my kids, my toddlers, my own mental health, that I'm just not always going to be able to respond to emails as quickly as I want to. And what was happening was I was experiencing a lot of anxiety about that. I would see emails come in and not be able to respond for a few days. And it was stressing me out so much. 
So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put this auto reply on. And anyone who's really turned off by it, they're not my people anyway. So to like, you know, move on. (laughs) No, I love you, which is true, right? We have to call the kind of people into our life that are going to lift us up and that are going to be our kind of people. And Mm -hmm. it's really like a good fence you created to kind of eliminate those people that aren't your people. You don't even have to deal with them. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. I love it. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I'm not like a, I don't like to, I will when I absolutely have to, but I do not like to email from my phone. I am a, at my computer person. I like to type fully. I like to be able, and there's something always a little nerve wracking for me about like, I don't know, a typo or hitting send to the wrong person or something on my phone and quick things one off. Sure. I can do, but if I've pitched you for my show or you're pitching me and there's details involved, like, uh, uh-uh, I need to be at my screen and it just doesn't happen every day. So it is what it is. No, I love it. I love it. I got to come up with my own little automated email <laughs> response. <laughs> I know. That, that's I think we all need one, right? Yeah. We're, yeah. We're, we're all suffering from some kind of bomb brain and we need an automated email in our yeah. life. We need yeah. to just be able to send it like, no, I'm not responding to your text messages right now. No, I'm not oh, yeah. working You know, seven days a week. No, I can't. I need to take a break. <laughs> totally. Yep. Yep. I would put it on every form of communication I have if I could. <laughs> amen. Amen. So you created the podcast, Sass Says, and you really want to destigmatize mental health and you've been really open. Can you give the listeners a little insight to your mental health journey? Yeah. So I would never have considered myself someone who would be on a mental health journey, but basically I had babies and that rocked my world. I was not prepared for the realities of motherhood and I definitely experienced postpartum depression and anxiety after my first was born, but I didn't know it. And it took my second being born to kind of go through it again in conjunction with a global pandemic to be like, hey, you know what? This is happening again and it's happening worse. This isn't feeling entirely normal at this point. And at that point, I was working with a therapist. So that was really helpful in being able to have someone to bounce symptoms off of and just having a professional in my corner going, yeah, this is what anxiety is. This is what depression is. And, and I'm, you know, I like a label. I know some people don't, but I like a label because it helped me understand what was happening and it sort of validated me in a way. And it helped me take the next steps, which were upping the therapy, getting a psychiatrist, med management, the whole thing. But yeah, basically anxiety, depression, after both of my pregnancies that I think, unfortunately, I'll never know, but because of the pandemic, I think sort of morphed into just regular depression and anxiety. And I'm in a much better place now, but you know, prior to starting the show, I was really, it was dark. It was hard. Did the show become an outlet for you, a positive outlet? Yeah. I mean, I definitely found therapy to be so helpful. And the thing was that I never understood that therapy could be for someone like me, quote unquote, right? And I, you know, and what I mean by that is I grew up with the understanding that therapy was for someone who experienced like a big T trauma or something sort of globally accepted as a reason to go. 
you know, like anyone that I knew that was going to therapy, it was like their parents were getting divorced or there was a death in the family or something happened. They were assaulted, things like that. And here I was, you know, I, I was checking off all the boxes, right? I, I went to school. I got the job in corporate America. I got married. I had the kids. We bought the house. Like, and I'm still going, I'm not happy. And I didn't connect the dots. So it took a friend sharing that she was in a similar situation and saying, yeah, and I have a therapist and it's the best thing ever. And so the the show sort of came to be because I thought if I've gotten this far without realizing that there is help for, like I said, quote unquote, someone like me, how many other women out there are like me and don't know that this could be a way to get help? And so... Yeah. And and it definitely became an outlet. You know, my husband definitely was, I think, I think a little more supportive early on in sort of adding one more thing to my plate because we could both recognize that I really needed something for myself. I really needed something to put my time and energy into that wasn't the kids, that wasn't our house. And yeah, I mean, I've learned so much. I, I say that all the time. I'm learning right along with everyone listening and Selfishly, that's kind of the point. <laughs> so, so yeah. And we're talking about, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of women that are in this place that really need a confided friend, a, a person to be a little bit more honest. And I, and I want to go back to something you said. You were like, I did the thing. I got the corporate job. I got married. I had the kids. I got the house. And I'm still not happy. And mm-hmm. I think so many women find themselves at that place, age not being the denominating factor. But find themselves like, okay, I did all the things that the fairy tale told me to do. And here I am looking around and being like, oh, mm-hmm. wait a minute. I don't feel very good. Yeah. I don't feel happy. Like all of these things that I was told my entire life are supposed to make me happy or supposed to enrich my life. And now I have all of them and I'm still left wondering what's for me. Yeah. And I think that is such a common position that we as women find ourselves in. Mm -hmm. I hear it all the time, truthfully. I mean, it's, yeah, I don't know. We, I think it's a combination of up until a certain point, your life is sort of outlined by those mile markers. And then you get to the point where it's like, well, what's the next mile marker? I don't know. (laughs) Right. I mean, seriously, seriously. Right. right? And you're like, is this all there is? Like, love all of you who are in my life, but like, come on, you know? And yeah. And I, you know what? I don't know. I just think that I also had this very glamorized idea in my head about what the motherhood and the wifing and all of that would be like. And the reality of it is a lot less pretty. And so you're picturing getting to that last mile marker, whatever it is before death and going, everything is beautiful. It's Pinteresty. I'm that fabulous fit mom going to all the things and everybody's happy. And I, you know, my kids don't throw food on the floor and they don't have tantrums and we're wonderful. And then you get there and you realize how, how really not realistic that is at all and how much harder it is. Well, and I just posted something recently and I was like, the people you look up to, your mentors have bad days, are insecure, are struggling. And I think it's that reminder that we constantly have to kind of put in our back pocket, but no matter what it looks on the outside, that everyone is struggling, that everyone has insecurities, that everyone has Mm -hmm. feeling of worthlessness, that everyone has bad days. 
And there is this commonality, like in the, just the common suffering that we're all kind of in this <laughs> together. Let's just take motherhood, for example. You have the time when they bring you the Mother Day gifts and it's like, my mom is amazing and she loves me so much. And Jay drawed all the little things. You're like, oh my God, it's so worth it. And then all, like, you know, 364 days out of the year, it's right. just, you know, I was yelling yes. at my kids yesterday, you know, it's terrible. You know, yeah. we're having, we kept in our family, we just kept having to turn it around because it kept just falling into the shitter. It yep. was like, and every, you know, I was like, well, and they're like, man, it was a really bad day. Mom. I was like, yeah, but we kept turning it around. We kept having to turn it around, but we just kept doing it. Yep. And that's more the reality. And those are the things that I don't think we talk about. It's not the pretty side. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that on one hand, this comes up all the time too, right? But it's, yeah, it's social media. It's the constant, you know, news feed. It's never being able to turn off. It's the constant comparison. And I posted something recently about how when my first was born, she was born within days of Jessica Alba having her youngest. And she's like four or five weeks, maybe six weeks postpartum, posting about being at the office, getting a workout in, like drinking green juice. And like, I'm watching this at four in the morning with spit up all over me. Like, and I was so triggered. I just, I had to block her on follow the whole thing because obviously she's Jessica Alba. She's got night nurses. She's got trainers. She's got all the things, right? But I was sitting there going, what's wrong with me? Why can't I go to work? Why can't I make a green juice and get a workout? It was so ridiculous, but it happened. So no, for sure. I mean, it's those moments. And I think sitting in that feeling and then responding and saying, Hey, I just need to take a break from Jessica Alba's account right now. I've, I've refollowed, like we made up, you know, but it took me a few years to to like, not want to kill her every time I saw her. I'm with you. Would you consider a therapy like an appropriate modality for healing for everyone or only certain things? What would you say if therapy wasn't for people like you or you thought that therapy yeah. wasn't for people like you kind of go into that? Yeah, I think I just I, I unfortunately, I think therapy. this isn't my concept. I've heard this from other therapists, but, you know, they'll say like therapy has a marketing problem. And I think that that is changing now. But you know, I just thought of therapy as, you know, you're lying on a couch with your feet up and someone going, how does that make you feel? And it's so, it can be that, but it doesn't have to be either. And, you know, I believe that therapy can be for everyone. If you're truly opposed to it, then it's probably not going to work for you and therefore not an avenue that you can explore. But I believe that everyone has something they can work on, something that maybe happened in their childhood or in their past that I don't even realize is affecting them now as an adult. And I say that because that is my experience, right? Like I went into therapy with three, four, five things that I wanted her to help me fix. And it's so not about that either, right? But you don't even know. That's the thing. I had no idea what to expect and I was really nervous and you know, I, I just want to make it feel accessible if you want it. There's so much now that we've gone into to almost three years later that I wouldn't have even known that I needed to explore. You know, we've gotten really deep into my body image and, you know, sort of unpacking going all the way back till I'm like five years old, thinking about how I thought about my body. And I never would have taken the time to do that. And so it's, yeah. So I, if you want it, it's for you. If you don't want it, you know, there's coaches, there's other, there's other avenues. I just think overall, 
we're not meant to do life alone. We're meant to have help. We're meant to have community. And so for me, that help in that community is mainly through therapy. Well, and I love it too. You said that there's also coaching. Like it's, and I think there's this point of like needing to find the right therapist that resonates with you, like finding the right teacher, right? Mm -hmm. For me in a yoga class, like not every teacher is going to speak to you. Not every Mm -hmm. practitioner is going to hear the same things. If I just want to make the yoga correlation, but the same thing with therapy. And I think what's so nice is that they've done, even if it was some of the online therapy tools that they're now offering that are making things really accessible Mm -hmm. and their big push, I forget which one it was, is that, Hey, if you need to switch therapists, like we've got you no problem, right? Like we are trying to change the way that we're looking at this and giving, like you said, everyone needs community. Everyone needs someone to talk to. Mm -hmm. It's nice to have someone that you talk to that has education in the field of handling and managing your stress versus just like your best friend or your buddy or your spouse or your mom who would probably not say the right thing. Right. (laughs) Right. Because that's the reason why you're probably in therapy in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) Not my mom. What do you mean? No, right, right. No, no, of course not. But I love something you said and you're like, everyone has something to work on and I have to throw my husband in the bus a little bit. So he also has his own therapist, but I remember him saying recently and a handful of times, you know, I just don't even know what to talk to him about today. And I'm just like, really? Let me list off the things that you could go in there and talk about. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, he, oh wasn't, he wasn't very appreciative of that. But we do. And what's so cool, I think, about therapy, and, and I can speak to my own journey and what you said too, is you went in for X. You wanted to fix these problems, whatever they were in your life, Mm -hmm. but the where it took you and the avenues and the depths of healing that you were able to experience were profound, something that you would have never seen coming. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when you mentioned, you know, talking to your mom or talking to a friend who's not maybe going to say the right thing, like there are so many things at this point that I've only said to my therapist and there is such a power in just saying things out loud to another human being. And I wouldn't have known that because when you're talking to your mom, you're talking to your friend, there is a level of intimacy that you still keep to yourself. You know, it's not no holds bar when you're talking to people that know you, people that love you. And especially if it has to do with another person that they know, or whatever, like there is a tendency to want to protect the person you're talking about or, you know, and and the example I share with that is, and this has happened a lot, but this I think is really helpful in explaining it to someone who maybe has not had this experience was a few years ago, my sister-in-law passed away unexpectedly. Uh, She got cancer and it was really fast. And this is on my husband's side. And that was right around the time that I had started therapy. And, you know, Just being able to tell my therapist the A to Z of that whole experience and every thought and every feeling that I had was something I could never do with anyone in my life because especially I felt like talking about her passing, you know, you're very conscious of the person you're talking to and their feelings and how it might make them feel. And, you know, there's certain things about not necessarily related to her, but there's aspects of things that we think that we don't want people to know we think, but we all have them. And so to say them out loud and get that feedback and or just have an ear listen, it's like it was, I mean, this is the word. It was so therapeutic. 
But it's a safe space. They know how to respond with mirroring, validating, and empathizing you in a way that they don't even really have to get involved. There's really no judgment. They don't know the people you're talking about. They don't have an emotional tie to any of the people you're talking about. They don't have an emotional tie to you. So they get to be a really neutral sounding board and safe space for you to just release that energy. And I say it to my kids all the time. I have one that suffers from anxiety, my youngest, and she constantly shuts down, you know, when Mm. she gets upset, I'm like, Hey, even just talking about it, just saying the words out loud, just Mm -hmm. releases that energy. It frees you from the shame, the guilt, whatever it is that Mm -hmm. is holding that inside. And, you know, I challenge anyone listening. If you've got something that you're holding on to, to just say it out loud, either to a trusted friend, to call someone, even just to yourself sometimes. I mean, even journaling, it doesn't have to be verbal, but getting those emotional energies out of your body and outside of yourself is super powerful. I would be hard pressed if someone didn't notice a difference. Yeah. I also find that when I'm talking to her, my therapist, it helps me, let's say I'm, you know, relaying an argument or something like it helps me sort of process what aspects of it matter to me based on what I choose to share. So I do share, there's very little detail that I leave out when talking to her, but I'll know what's feeling strongest to say first and I'll go, oh, okay, that's where I need to look. Or sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes it's the very last thing that I tell her that it's like, maybe I'm embarrassed or maybe I have guilt or shame about whatever it is. And so it it ends up being in those last two minutes that I'll hit her with like this bomb, you know, and she's like, okay, well, I guess we'll pick up there next week, you know? So it's, it's usually one or the other. It's either like the first thing that's like, I have to get this out or it's the, I really don't want to talk about this, but eventually I just have to at the end say it. So it helps me figure out in a situation, say it's an argument, like what part of that argument or what part of is happening really, really is getting to me. Yeah. And it's a level of like, I don't want to say forced introspection, but it's an appointment that you keep to go inside, (laughs) just slow down (laughs) and figure out what's going on. And we're a lot of times better when we have appointments to keep versus Mm -hmm. just doing it on our own. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how old are your kiddos now? They're four and two. And where would you say you are with your mental health postpartum journey? Yeah, I, I'm better. <laughs> you know, it's a combination of therapy and and really having that appointment to look inward. And I think the biggest thing in relation to anxiety, depression, and the benefit of therapy for me and all of it is truly feeling empowered by how much of what goes on on in my life is really just about me and what I can process and control and feel. And, you know, it always kind of felt like whether it was the kids or my husband or work, it was like, this person's doing this, this person's saying that. And it's like been so refreshing to be able to twist that and go, why is that person saying or doing something affecting me so much? like really making everything about me. (laughs) And it's been really empowering. And so it's helped me release a good amount of anxiety and depression about things that I can't control. Most often when I'm feeling anxious or depressed now, it's because I have not done the things that I know that I need to do to keep myself moving. Or I also, you know, have symptoms of PMDD. What's that? premenstrual dysphoric disorder. Mm -hmm. And so usually like the week to 10 days before my period, I will 
experienced a significant dip in my mental health and it's hormonal and medication has helped that a lot. So it's either I'm not doing what I need to do or life gets busy and I start to get fall behind in my self-care, in my routines, in my, you know, all the coping mechanisms that I know now work for me, or there is some hormonal component there that unfortunately at this point, I haven't found the holistic doctor. I haven't done all the things right now. I'm just managing it with medication, but, but yeah, I'm much better off. I'm much better at communicating what I'm feeling, which helps my support system help me really. And I've gotten better about boundaries. I block off times in my calendar. I put an autoresponder on. I've really just learned that in this season of my life, I cannot operate the way that I was operating in the previous season. There are two people that are completely dependent on me. And I just can't, I was expecting to just continue as if I was that single girl living in Boston working for a big corporation. And it just, no, doesn't work. So once I kind of had that reality check, I could change things around and and give myself that permission to say, okay, you don't need to be everywhere for everyone all the time because that's when you get anxious. That's when you get depressed. I love what you said. And it came out so subtle and simple but it's profound. And you said, I can no longer operate in this season as I did in my previous season. And there's Mm -hmm. something so poetic about that of looking at our lives like seasons. We know they all change. We're not going to wear a tank top, bikini bottoms (laughs) and flip-flops in the middle of winter, certainly not in the Midwest and certainly not out where you are in the East coast. Right. right? So we wouldn't do that. That would be silly. People would be like, what are you doing? Right. (laughs) But we expect our lives, our attention, our energy, our motivation to be the same all the time, regardless of the season. And the fact of the matter, it waxes and wanes. You're in a very heavy, physically demanding time with little kids. Mm -hmm. I am, my kids are 13 and nine in a a very heavy, emotionally demanding time. Mm -hmm. And it is interesting as you shift kind of away from that what I miss about the, just the physical demand (laughs) and how I have to show up differently and, and what no longer serves me because I have to be really present and, and all of these things, but it's to look at our lives and big chunks of time, years, whatever, as seasons and adjust and give ourselves grace to show up in the way that that season needs us to show up. I think is really complementative to just being a woman, to existing as a human being. I really like the, you know, winter to wearing a bikini in the winter. I've, I've never heard that. And that, that hits it on the head really. And, and you know what, I even do it. Uh, this one is a little more challenging because it's not, you know, as steady, but even on a monthly basis, I'm doing that, right? So if I'm in that week where it's a little bit more challenging, it takes me a minute to recognize it because I'll spend a day or two just being irritable and being tired and being like short with my kids, but I recognize it much faster now. And then I'll go, oh, what day is it? And then I go, okay, you know what? Switching gears. I'm not going to try to force us to the park for the hundredth time. We're going to watch Paw Patrol and I'm not going to cook dinner. We're going through the drive through and I just, I always saw that as failing. Oh no, that's success. Yeah. And, and you know what? I see that now and I see that as more of a taking care of me thing, but yeah, it, it's even on a monthly because, and, and like my house, you know, then it's funny because like my husband will recognize when I'm coming out of it then. Right. Because all of a sudden I'll have this day where I'm like, 
vacuuming everything and like you're getting like hot roast for dinner oh my god (laughs) yeah like gourmet meal vacuum everything like the kids have never been cleaner all the laundry is put away because like for a week or so I don't care to do any of that and it bothers me to walk by it but I can talk myself through it now no I love it I love making that transition to monthly, weekly, daily, like really giving us ourselves the grace and taking everything into consideration. I always say like showing up as your best self based on the resources that you have Mm -hmm. today, not the ones you had yesterday or six months ago. Like, how are you sleeping? How are you nourishing yourself? How are you moving? Where is your stress level? What's going on in your relationship? Like showing up as your best self is going to be dependent on all of these things, the freaking weather. I mean, the little things that, that impact us. I'm in a dip personally right now. I'm just down. I've got some stress that I didn't realize was hitting me with my husband's mom, but you know, just the more I can recognize that, communicate about it, talk about it, get help, do the things I need to do. Mine is my indication is wanting, I'm just being over it. Like I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm over the ground and I'm over, I'm ready for school to be done, but I'll get to the point of school to be done. And I'll be, get to the point. I'm like, Oh no, I need, I'm done yeah. with that now. You yeah. know, it's me. Yeah. I'm the issue that I need, yeah. to, I need yeah. to soften and settle in. So Christy, do you think you can ever be healed? Oh no. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't, I say it like that because that's hard. You know, I want to, what I want to say is that I I hope I don't always have to work this hard at being fine. I don't know. I'm in the, I'm in the weeds of it now. So it's hard for me to articulate truthfully, but you know, I went from starting therapy and saying things like, Hey, this is happening. How do I just not feel irritated by it anymore? And she's like, Chrissy, that's not how it works. You have to feel the irritation and then we work through it. And then we either, you know, figure out how to cope with it or you find that it doesn't irritate you as much anymore. And, and now I get that. And so things that irritate me or make me sad or make me whatever, I work through it, but it's a lot of work. And so uh, I don't know. I, I, I feel like we get smarter. We get smarter about ourselves is what I mean. We learn how we want to be and how we need to do it. But I don't know. I I think that, are we ever healed? That's a good question. I don't know. I could see myself even having, when my kids are the age that yours are, like stuff's going to come up from my time at that age. And it's going to keep happening over and over. And, you know, so no, I don't know. (laughs) The interesting thing I think in that, and I don't know either, right? That's, (laughs) that's the million dollar question. But you'll never have the circumstances that you have right now. You're not going to have them tomorrow, right? Things change. That is inevitable. Life changes. We get older. We age. We continue to to build a toolbox and then life pivots. And I will never forget this moment. I was in a yoga class with Rolf Gates, who is a really famous yogi. And I was really in this period of transition, but not even knowing what I was getting ready to step into. And I was practicing and somehow I was in this kind of very meditative state. And I saw myself physically getting off of a roller coaster and getting on to an entirely new ride and another roller coaster, but having it be like, I couldn't see what was ahead of me, Mm -hmm. but I felt 
this very soft feeling of, of comfort. Mm -hmm. And I called my mom on the way home from that. And I said, I I want you to know something in my, my life is getting ready to change. Mm -hmm. I said, and what period of my life that I was in is gone. I'm in a new period. And no matter what comes up, I want you to know I can handle it. When I call you and lose my shit, because I will, (laughs) I want you to remind me, keep me honest, remind me of this moment because I, in that moment, I saw it, I, I acknowledged it and I could handle it. Right. Subsequently, like, our nanny, who was like our little sister left, right? I had a divorce with my best friend. I mean, there was all of these oh. things. My, my youngest son went to boarding school. It was like all, I mean, oh it was God. like, whoa, yeah. you know, but I didn't know any of those things were going to happen, right. right? but it was just a new season of life. It was this new ride. And that's the reality, right? We are equipped to handle. We continue to gain insight and knowledge and tools and really just learn ourselves more and, and life will continue to challenge us and throw curveballs. And once you're on the path, like, you know, you're always on it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And as you're talking, I was thinking I will very easily and regularly say that there's no end point. There's no self-development end point. So I guess to that point, you know, I I would say, I think we can heal from things, but heal in general, it's like, we're, Oh, there's always going to be something going on, something, you know, bringing something up from the past or, you know, I don't know. How boring would it be, right? If we were all just healed and like perfect, that would be boring. You and I wouldn't have podcasts and we wouldn't have anything to talk about. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. It's true. You know? Yeah. What do you think you want the listeners to take away from your mission with mental health and, and the SAS says podcast? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing that I needed to hear was that asking for help is not failure. I really struggled the past tense <laughs> sometimes right. with you know being okay with that. I really wanted to be like the superhuman woman that would just could do all the things all the time and I really felt like if I have to ask for help, what's wrong with me? Like why can't I hack this? And so, you know, the the biggest thing I would say is ask for help in whatever way it feels right for you. If you're curious about therapy or coaching, listen to some podcasts, look on some websites or a lot of therapists on social media. Now you can sort of get a feel for it before maybe picking up the phone if that's un- uncomfortable for you. And the other thing that that comes to mind that I, I talk about a lot on the show is, you know, reframing our mindset on what it means to take care of ourselves. So I also, particularly in new motherhood, would hear all the time, oh, why don't you go get a massage? Why don't you get your nails done? And I love those things. But when you're knee deep in a two-month-old, that's not so easy to do. And when I was knee deep in a two-month-old and a two-year-old in the middle of a quarantine, I'm not going to get my nails done. So I really and maybe that to- wasn't the most beneficial thing, right? When no, we right, look at totally, it. totally. Right, but yeah. that's what I thought it meant to take care of yourself. And so, really reframing things that I just do now on a regular basis that aren't exciting, taking a walk to my mailbox, or you know, taking five deep breaths, or drinking the water, like all of those things. Now I really look at as wow, I'm doing such a great thing for myself, and that is really helped me too. And thank you so much for saying that. It's so interesting. Self-care has gotten, a ne- it's like negative now, right? Because yeah. it gets, it gets thrown around and it leaves a lot of us feeling less than if we're not yes. doing the bubble baths and the massages and the, 
you know, I remember the, like I couldn't take a bath for more than like five minutes for yeah. years. I was like, I hate it. I can't stay I'm here. I'm not a bath person. Right. It's right. Not. Yeah. The fact that you're saying like drinking water, you know, going outside, getting fresh air, walking in my mailbox. Like you're not talking about taking, you know, a four mile hike somewhere. You're talking right. about just simply going outside, breathing fresh air, you know, and, and taking five deep breath. And these are things that are accessible right? Mm -hmm. We all need to drink water. We all are breathing. You know, we Mm -hmm. all can get out and have a breath of fresh air. And just Mm -hmm. those moments that even just acknowledging that too is nourishing and filling Mm -hmm. me up, you know, and making time when you have more time carving it out and doing the other things that make you happy, whatever that may be reading a book, yeah, you know, visiting with a friend, getting nails done, but those things matter too. Those yes. things that we just kind of pass under the rug, but we'll make a difference if we don't do them, right? Yeah. Stop drinking the, water. Yes. It's going to make a difference. Yeah. And just, you know what? Sometimes it feels tedious, but to take the moment to really be present with yourself when you're doing those things, right? Because I was, I was always a person that drank water all the time, but when I just look at my cup now and it's empty, I, I really like take a moment to go, good job. <laughs> like you did that, you know, like it seems silly, but it helps. <laughs> I think, you know, especially now, right. Like I'm home with two kids all the time and like none, they're never looking at me and going, good job, mom. Right. You know, like I, at this point I work for myself, there's no promotion, there's no nothing. So No one's calling you to say good job. Right. Like I have to find ways of validating myself throughout the day. And that in itself is (laughs) self-care. So I love it. It's true. Yeah, it's so true. Awesome. Christy, thank you so much. I think this is going to be just an incredible conversation for listeners. And I know so many women out there can hear a little bit of themselves in each of us and, you know, the journey and the banter and the the silly things that are real life that we don't often share. So where can listeners find more about you, your show, your podcast? I'm everywhere at Sass Says. My website is Sass Says. My podcast is Sass Says, and it is on all the major platforms. And I'm most active on Instagram and TikTok at Sass Says. Awesome. And we'll put all the links in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Zen-ish Mommy podcast. I hope you got something out of this episode. I'd love to hear from you. Reach out and sign up for the exclusive newsletter and get access to never before heard conversations, yoga classes, exclusive recipes, and so much more. Check me out at thezenmommy.com.